Hi, my name is Frances. And I'm Alice. And welcome to this week's episode of Two Friends in a Pod, a place for friends to catch up on movies, TVs. Oh, God. For two friends <laughs> to catch up on. <laughs> what I forgot. What do we say? Movies, TVs, music, and pop culture. I always make it up. It's always different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's same, same. Yeah. But also, I feel like the music takes a backseat because I feel like <laughs> we listen, you know what we're listening to. <laughs> Movies, music, TV, and pop culture. Yeah. Oh, actually, sorry to interrupt, but we should just say a quick congratulations to Kylie for having her baby boy <laughs> because she was a topic. Her and this fetus were the topic of an early episode. So just to round yeah. it out, we'll say a congratulations. <laughs> it has been born on the 2nd of the 2nd of 2022. So 2222. Two, oh. two, two. I was like, of course, she probably planned that all along, to be honest. The Kardashian Jenners do not miss. <laughs> yeah that's why they kick that Kanye right because he's a he's a miss <laughs> yeah big miss these days <laughs> he doesn't align with their perfectly punctual timing of PR mm. and everything does he no no anyway <laughs> <laughs> so we discussed euphoria I think last week and at that point I hadn't caught up but now I've caught up and now I'm caught up. <laughs> I'm definitely caught up. I'm up to. Well, I just watched episode five, which just aired. I feel like because I'm on like the euphoria side of the internet, I just have to like close my eyes and like not <laughs> not see any spoilers and stuff because I think, especially I think with euphoria, there's just like a lot of hype, and it's like in maybe the same realm as like Lord of the Rings. Not Lord of the Rings. Sorry, Game of Thrones. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> wrong. What's it called? Fantasy. Wrong fantasy. Random. Fiction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, just, like, I know it's not to the extent of, like, that is kind of. Because, like, there is just so much hype on it. I just want to, yeah. And, and there's a lot of drama happening in the show. Whether I think we had some criticisms of it last time. Or maybe, like, a big ponder on where the direction of the show would go. Um, but that last episode. So, episode five, which is focused on Rue. Yeah. That was absolute like perfection. Like I loved that episode. That was so good. It was so tense, but without there being like, you know, any violence or anything like that. There was just quality television um and good storytelling and I think a good what do we say? It's a it's a it gave a good rounded view of Rue as a character and sort of where she's sitting at in her in that period of time that we were yeah. looking at into but yeah it's it's really good I really enjoyed that episode and I think especially because I think in the previous episodes we'd seen a lot about the other girls and maybe in a way we didn't want to see them like you know it's all about like Cassie breaking down and then just a lot of Nate and we don't want a lot of Nate do we Nate <laughs> exactly no yeah so we got like a an, a Rue focused episode and it's like really I think my heart was just like, oh, my God, like, there's just so much happening. Like, I think Zendaya also posted about the character's journey on her Instagram as well. So I think that, well, that was really interesting. Um, and it was kind of a call out to love those who are struggling. So flaws and all, find find it in yourself to, you know, have sympathy for others and, under, and understanding, especially when people need it the most. Yeah, I was wondering because after episode, I think four and five in particular, 
There were mm-hmm. spoilers galore on TikTok. Like you could not scroll mm-hmm. without learning something about the show. So I was like, knowing that you were a little bit or watching it behind, I was like, oh, I hope Alice isn't getting spoiled because <laughs> I think the particular yeah. Yeah, scenes I'm talking about is one Cassie throwing up in that hot tub. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think I saw that. I'm, as I said, I was pretty quick with the scroll past. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, and I was getting them recommended on YouTube as well, and then I clicked that mm-hmm. not interested. Like, oh really? Yeah, to get it off my face. Like, do not show me this. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see this, and not because I don't like you for it, but because I just don't want to see spoilers. Gosh. <laughs> But yeah, I think that kind of encouraged me to be a bit faster and on time with my viewing mm-hmm. of Euphoria. Like, so I feel like I should be prioritizing it now just so I don't have to like go through all that trouble again. Yeah, I guess at this stage where we are at, uh, one of the main developments is that Cassie has been sleeping with Nate and not telling Maddie, who is mm. Nate's ex-girlfriend and also her best friend. So at mm. the end of episode five, that secret is exposed and then Maddie loses her mind. Yeah, of course. Understandably. And mm. she does it in a hilarious way as well, where she's just like, you fucking stupid bitch, I will get violent. And you're just like fearful <laughs> Cassie's life. <laughs> yeah, because I think, well, there's a few layers to this. So it's actually Rue who exposes Cassie. Yeah. And she does this as a ploy to get people's attention off her. And also just because at this point, she's just so unhinged. She just doesn't care. She'll just say whatever and then she'll regret it later. That's kind of how she's acting this throughout this whole episode. And then Cassie's just like, what? No. <laughs> and she's like, you know, the worst actor, the character, I mean, not the actual actor, but like Cassie, the character is like the worst at lying because she is quite naive, I think is probably mm. the best way to put it. And then we've already established that Maddie can get violent and very hot headed. She's very emotional. We know this from like season one, right? Like that's just yeah. her character. So of course she's gonna feel like super betrayed by Cassie, who she thought was a best friend and is like very loyal to. Um and then also the fact that it's Nate as well, like who Cassie is well aware that Annie has a tumultuous relationship with her, always like on and off. It gets violent. It's very emotional. That's just like you why would you go there? Out of you know, everybody. Yeah. yeah, out of absolutely everybody. Like it can't yeah, it's Nate. It's grenade. The grenade. Yes. Yeah. Bloody Cassie. Yeah, bloody Cassie. And I guess the other development is that Jules, Elliot, and Rue have been hanging out more. And because Rue is so like really She's fallen deep back into her drugs. She's relapsed and she's mm. using drugs quite heavily. She's really standoffish and sort of closed off from Jules. And I feel like Jules can feel that they're not, she's not really present when they're hanging out. And unfortunately, mm. I think we have to remember that these are all still kids as well. The mm. way Jules sort of finds solace in this crack in a relationship is to cheat on Rue with Elliot, sadly. Yeah. Because yeah. I think on the internet and I, my hunch is that a lot of like, kids or younger people are writing they're like oh how could you cheat on her that's the worst thing like Mm. you know Rue has issues but Jules should have never have done that whereas I think Mm. she didn't do something right but you can see why she felt so lonely and this was her way of coping with it in an an unhealthy way which she shouldn't have done but you can see why yeah I think so I think she Mm -hmm. found solace in the friendship that she was forming with Elliot as well like that seemed like a genuine connection so you can see why that kind of happened and it's not because she doesn't love Rue like there uh, you can love someone and also be unhappy 
I think yeah. that's the other thing. And then Elliot is actually the one to tell Jules what's ha- what's been happening. And then Jules confronts Rue's mum. I guess that sets up like the whole episode. But yeah, like I feel like this episode kind of just is like the turning point, I think, mm-hmm. in this season because we've kind of seen the Rue slowly like digress into her like former um, habits and everything. She even goes so far as to get a whole suitcase of drugs with the intent of like selling it and stuff. So it's pretty bad, right? And now she's been exposed. She doesn't really have, I feel like she feels like she doesn't have any friends or like connections mm. to anyone because everyone has sort of betrayed her. You know, she doesn't have jewels. She says, you're, you're dead to me. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. She like, you know that she doesn't mean it, but she also yeah. like kind of does as well because that's like the ultimate betrayal, right? And even the friendship that she'd formed with Elliot, like that's gone too. She doesn't have a good relationship with her sister because she like lied to her blatantly. Her sister still loves her. Her mom still loves her. But like they just, it's just difficult. It's difficult to be with her, I think. Yeah. And her poor sister, Gia, is living yeah. in such a unstable environment that I feel so mm-hmm. bad for her. Like this girl needs therapy ASAP because <laughs> yeah. she's on the edge, like constantly seeing, is her sister going to die? Like is she yeah. going to die today, tomorrow? Like she's never at peace. Yeah, and she feels really guilty all the time as well. Mm. And her sister's always lying to her. So, like, what's she supposed to do? Right? She's, she's a young a sister. She wants the approval of her, but she also, like, doesn't want her to be hurt. But she can't, like, just let her sit. So I think, like, it was in season one where Rue convinces her to, like, let her out of rehab. So this poor girl, like, remember, this? they're in high school and her little sister's probably, like, yeah. 15 or something. You know, she's she's really young and she just has, like, this weight of, like, her sister's sobriety, like, weighing on her oh as well. God. Yeah. Like, how? How? It's difficult. How? It's it's absolutely difficult for everybody involved. Yeah. And I think this episode five, you see Rue just, she's at her lowest point, I think, in the mm. season. So like you said, mm-hmm. she's managed to get a whole suitcase of drugs from like this really creepy, scary drug dealer mm. who has said, like, if you don't sell it and if you don't give me my money back, like she literally basically says, I will sell you to sex traffickers. Like, mm. I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever mm. I want with you to get that money back. And now Rue's at a point where she hasn't been able to sell the drugs. She actually took some because her mom found out the drugs are all gone now. They flushed it down the toilet. Mm. Her family knows she's relapsed. All her friends know. She's like yelled at all her friends and now the relationships are fractured. And so she goes back to the drug dealer and basically says, I can't. Well, admit, well, it shows that she wouldn't be able to sell the drugs and give her the money. So mm. it ends on a very creepy note. Sure, it's going to happen to Adiru. Yeah, very like compelling television for sure. And I think, yeah, well, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next episode because, well, what can we do from here? Like, it just seems like there's no hope for anybody, really. Yeah, I guess one of the things people are saying is, oh, you know, euphoria glamorizes drug use or whatever. But this episode, no, no. there's no glamour, please. I don't think it ever has glamorized it just because people look good and everything's like heightened. Like the people themselves, like I don't think that makes makes like drug taking things like that glamorized. Yeah, because we've seen from the beginning, Rue struggled. She has, she mm. is not well, like. She, I think they glamorize when she's better, actually, when she's sober and with jewels and happiness, like that part, that relationship is very heightened. But I don't think it has shown drug taking. 
it shows both sides, right? Like the the good sides of it, but also very much like the bad side of taking drugs, especially when you go mm. down the path like Rue's taken, where she's taking them to kind of relieve herself of any feeling of reality, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and especially this episode, I think. Yeah. Oh God, it was tense. Mm. It, it was, was just very like, tense. And I think one part of you, like, oh, of course she's not going to die. It's Zendaya's character. Mm. Like she's the protagonist. She's like the main draw. But I was just like, I don't know what is going to end up happening to her. It yeah, is exactly. so tense because it's, it is so on edge. It feels real in a way. Yeah. Like I think there's a scene where she's like zipping through the traffic. Oh, my God. Yeah. And like you actually wouldn't be surprised if she got run over because like yeah. the way that they've shot it, she's just very close all the time. <laughs> being run over and she's at this point also not thinking clearly so it's a combination of like okay she is not thinking straight she's running through a freeway with like traffic going like both ways it's just yeah it's scary um and very very tense and of course people are saying this is zendaya's emmy episode (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised either I think Euphoria is also shot in a way that people would take it seriously. <laughs> I think, especially for like a teen show, I think they tend to get overlooked with awards and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's enough seriousness and like we've always talked about like the, what's the TV equivalent of cinematography? Is it called cinematography still? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, yes, the cinematography of all the episodes and stuff, I think, give it enough edge. So maybe... Well, she was acting her little heart out. That was some serious acting. Oh, she was yeah. acting capital A when she's like yelling at her mom <laughs> and oscillating between just mm. absolute fury that her drugs are gone. Then just mm. like, just betrayal that she thinks her sister ratted her out to mm. just sadness, like that begging, being like, please, like, I don't know what to do. I didn't mean that. But then, you know, going back to like rage and saying, I hate you. You're the reason I'm like this. You fucked up. And it's a lot. Mm. A lot. Yeah, I think it really cements her acting abilities. Oh, yeah. We all know she was good, but, like, that was really solid. Now there's, like, no doubt (laughs) she's good. (laughs) Good, for sure. (laughs) Do you have any predictions? Or is it, like, it's so uncertain that you have no idea how it's going to end this season? We all know there's going to be a showdown between Maddie and Cassie. I feel like that's going to happen because I don't think that was properly done this Mm. Oh, this episode it was a clever reveal but i don't we're gonna see like the ramifications in the next episode i feel like what's um so cat's character as well seemed like she mm. was on maddie's side because like that's just i mean against the rules of feminism really you just don't do that yeah so i feel like cassie's only ally at the moment is going to be lexi and even lexi's disappointed so i think the interesting thing for me will be where does lexi end up at the end of all of this because she's always been the quiet character who always wants to do the right thing she has a thing with fez though which is kind of interesting because fez is like i mean he's a drug dealer like he's not he's not your (laughs) typical good guy sure yeah but yeah it'd be interesting to see like where she ends up on this on like what side as well i would love for cassie to find more confidence in herself i think <laughs> i think we've just seen so much of her being like so insecure really like so desperate for nate's attention as well i meant to ask you how did you find the scene when she's like waking up at 4 or 6 a.m every morning to do her makeup and get ready and look pretty so that Nate will like look yeah. at her for like one second. For one second. 
I yeah. think, um, yeah, like it speaks of a girl who is deeply, deeply insecure. And it's not because of the ritual. It's not because she put in three hours. You know, she couldn't put like 30 minutes in or whatever. It was just the like obsession with mm. just getting a single look. Like you weren't expecting anything. You were expecting less than the bare minimum basically. Cause yeah. she knows that it's wrong. That's the thing. She knows that it's so wrong that she needs to steal a glance. So, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed that scene, like, the way it was shot and everything and how she was, like, getting more furious with her, like, face rolling and that as days go by. And those jade rollers (laughs) just, like, up and down, up and down. She was doing it so (laughs) – but she was doing it so furiously. I think just – she was just a very fixated girl and thinks she needs – Yeah. Yeah. It just speaks of someone who needs something more, like, to her her life, I think. She needs to get – satisfaction from i mean that's that was her whole journey wasn't it to like stay away from boys be single and like find herself and stuff but she's still dedicating her whole like existence to a guy still like she needs to not do that basically yeah hopefully by the end of season two she takes some steps towards achieving that yeah (laughs) yeah i really want for for her but yeah i'm very keen to see how it all ends and yeah we'll do a euphoria wrap-up chat uh, mm. once the season is finished because um yeah who knows where it's ending up because now they've added in drug dealers sex traffickers like it's gone off the yeah. rails really oh the other big thing that happened was nate's dad left oh he just whipped his dick out and said i'm leaving so we had an episode where we concentrated and found out more about his backstory and that was yeah. really interesting honestly explained a lot <laughs> it doesn't justify it but it explains yeah. it <laughs> yeah and that's like, i think what you want to see in a in a villain character right you want to know why they are the way they are but not necessarily be like i feel bad for you because you don't really feel bad for him to be honest you're mm-hmm. like well that was your choice mm-hmm. what you did in out of life is your choice right you sad about it but you did that you yeah. you know you did that and yeah he left he basically told his whole family about the truth i guess um and just walked out yeah it was just like guys i'm gay what the impact on nate will be i think it'll make him worse and i think we also saw that nate is potentially a reflection of his dad which is not a good sign oh god not Not a good sign (laughs) not another one not another one definitely (laughs) see how nate's dad was so sheltered and like forced to cut off a bit of himself that it really just like manifested into something ugly as he was growing up and he expressed that in really Mm. terrible and unhealthy ways and that led him to do stuff like you know him sleeping with Jules which is technically like like rape like underage girl and Mm. filming it and stuff like that but yeah and then he also like does this weird speech where he accuses Nate and his brother of being like homophobic and how they're unhealthy they have like unhealthy ideas about masculinity and stuff but he just mm. throws that at them as though, it, like, he didn't raise them. Like, they're your sons. You socialize these kids. Well, <laughs> I think that's exactly it, right? The reason why these boys are like this is because he projected his own insecurities about his mm. sexuality onto them. So, of course, they're going to turn out to be, like, these people who fear homosexuals yeah. and things like that. Like, what did because he Because that's the way you raise yeah. them. He was afraid of himself and then, therefore, he, you know, they picked mm. up on it. Like, what can they do? 
also he's just very deeply unhappy about how he felt like he was cornered into this marriage and relationship. I think that was like another big factor that not only did he have to suppress what he truly felt, but also that he felt stuck as well. Because you find out that he got his girlfriend pregnant at the end of high school or something. So you assume they got Mm. married and maybe the course of his life changed because of that. But again, that another, I guess none of that justifies his actions, but it explains why he ended no. up the way he did. <laughs> explains a lot. So <laughs> yeah, I think with him gone, because he was a big threat, I think, um, in the beginning. I wonder if he'll mm. come back. But I think the main thing we'll see is that Nate's progression from here is something to keep an eye out it on. It all goes downhill from here. I think yeah. so. I don't, I don't, it feels like there's no hope for anybody like in, for the end of the season. Because everyone's like broken up, no one's friends with each other. Everyone's sad, angry. Yeah. yeah, really angry. Well, euphoria. It's a good day. <laughs> you know what else is fun? The Olympics. The Winter the, Olympics? To be specific, the Winter Olympics. <laughs> the cold one. <laughs> I think I reminded you about this like a couple of weeks ago and you were like, it's too soon. <laughs> I was like, why is it already the Olympics? <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Olympics don't wait for you. And also it feels weird because we're very much in the midst of summer in Australia. Mm. So the thought of winter hasn't even, yeah, come across our minds at all. Like we're, I think we're, what are we? We're, we're nearing, February is the end of summer, mm, isn't yeah. it? But it doesn't yeah. feel like it's the end of summer. I think the other thing is that the summer Olympics were delayed by a year. So there wasn't as long as mm. an interval between the two hot and cold versions. But yeah, I I didn't personally (laughs) feel ready for the Olympics to be on, but they went ahead with it anyway. (laughs) Did you watch the opening ceremony? No, because I didn't even know that it was happening. I was like, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Did you watch it? Was it good? No, I didn't. I didn't. And because I forgot that it was going to happen as well, but I was reminded of it. And then I saw some clips and from that, and then also lots of people were just telling me that it was actually amazing. And I'm not surprised at all that they would have definitely put out all the stops in terms of performances. I'm sure there was like a lot of good use of technology and just... You know yeah. China would have brought it. Yeah, exactly. I have no doubt in my mind that yeah. it looked good. So I kind of haven't revisited it. I wonder if that's worth doing. But I feel like I didn't have to because I felt confident that they were like, right. It was good. I don't need to watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not it's good, I must watch it, but good. I don't now I don't have to. <laughs> but yeah. You watched any I literally <laughs> watched nothing. So I'm relying on you. As I said, we were chatting before recording this. I said you're our official two friends in the pod, Olympics correspondent. <laughs> all my Olympics information is filtered through you. <laughs> Which is so sad because I know like nothing about sports and I watch very selective sports as well. Like I did I when I first turned on to watch the Olympics, which is only a couple of days ago to be honest, I was like curling. I feel like a lot of people enjoy that sport, but I don't know anything about it and it doesn't sound very interesting. Mm. I'm sure it's very good. Like disclaimer, I'm sure it's very good but I just like when I heard it I was like oh I'm not like super interested in it I think I tend to gravitate towards ones where there are like more tricks <laughs> like tricks or like basically like flips or skating yeah yeah so like you know jumps and stuff like that so I think there are like snowboarding where they have like the big jumps and stuff and you do like all the turns and all that sort of stuff yeah. like I don't mind those events but I 
specifically watch two events like with full attention. So one was the, (laughs) let me get this right, freestyle big ski. Mm. So this is new to the Beijing Winter Olympics. And I had, I feel like I'm behind on like some of the news about athletes and stuff because I think I don't really pay attention to sports until the Olympics. I don't um, dabble in the Australian Open. <laughs> dabble. <laughs> I don't like the World watch Cup? any any other competition. Right, okay. Yeah, World Cup. Nothing. Nothing. I know nothing. Yeah, but you know the Olympics. The Olympics. Yes. Yeah. I know the. I know. Yeah, that's when I start hearing about like athletes mm. and stuff. So I think I'd heard about Eileen Gu on the weekend. So she's um, pretty young. She's 18 years old and she's American Chinese. Mm. And she's actually an American citizen, but she is representing China in the big ski event. So a lot was riding on her performance as well. I think she's been a big spokeswoman for the sport mm. in China and I guess around the world. And again, this was like the first time this event was happening in the Winter Olympics. And I watched her win gold, which is actually pretty cool because I felt like I was just watching it and I was like, oh, hey, Eileen Gu is in here. Like I've heard about her. Um, and I was watching all their all their runs mm-hmm. that they were doing. Honestly, really impressive. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say this about everything, but like athletes at the Olympics are really talented. <laughs> <laughs> it may surprise no you. No way. But they are... <laughs> Uh, they really are the cream of yeah. the crop. <laughs> yeah. And I'm basing that on not having seen anyone even do, like, you know, I haven't even seen an amateur try to do anything like that, but I'm sure an amateur couldn't because it's pretty extreme. So with the big ski event, it's basically you go down like a, a ramp, I think. And I think the other thing they were saying was that Beijing, like they had actually built this huge course as right. well by hand I think it's like it's all man-made and so it's basically like a slight like you think like a skateboard ramp but like a really really tall one like it is like maybe like 20 meters or something and you go down to get speed and then you jump off a a slope and then you do your tricks in the air and then they score you on like the turns and stuff that Mm. you do I think this time around they were looking for the touches of the of the ski so you had to like grab your ski and do like poses and stuff like that and I think they did rounds so they do three rounds and then it's your best two okay. that they get a score based on mm-hmm. yeah it was really good like you know when they're in the air yeah like i think they said there was like seven or eight meters up in the air oh doing like turns and whatnot and like the skill and also like just how far up they are and how fast mm-hmm. they're going it's like pretty exciting to watch Eileen is the only like athlete that I've heard about a bit because of the whole she's American but she's like representing China and like all the Americans getting mad at her mm-hmm. being like hey, you're you're betraying your country but it's like she's also part Chinese and like what's the issue like yeah. she's doing what she's doing yeah I feel like that's the people who are mixed race I mean we're not mixed race so we don't I guess yeah but I guess it'd be like you know if I can't empathize yeah, but if I was a gold star athlete which I'm not you might be surprised to find mm-hmm. out <laughs> but if I suddenly played for Korea or something as an mm. Australian citizen yeah. who was born here and like lived here my whole life it's like but, but maybe I just want to play for mm. Korea like who cares it's whatever you feel like you personally identify mm. with like it's also worth noting that she speaks like fluent Mandarin mm. she's not just willy-nilly being like I don't have a connection to China at all mm. she has her mother I'm sure like culturally she was um, brought up that way as well and then she speaks fluent Chinese so 
why not? Yeah. You know. And then I guess the other thing is that she can't win. So America or skis for America is like not representing China, but she represents China. She's like not representing America. So like she can't yeah, win. What basically. They wanted to do. And it's like, it's like that weird thing where it's well, like a lot of people experience racism and stuff. And it's like, oh, go back to where you come from. And then when people actually do mm. that and be like, okay, well, I'll represent, I'll play for another country, my cultural heritage instead. People get really mad at you. Like you're betraying. Like, you owe something to America when yeah. she doesn't. Like, that's her home too, and it will always be her home. She just has two homes. Like, Yeah, exactly. And also, she's so young. Like, Yeah, she's also really smart. I think she's, like, going to Stanford or something. And she's, like, a, yeah, she's like a Victoria's Secret model. So what, did, what have we achieved, Alice? Yeah. By 18. Um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's also got, like, a lot of endorsements and something. Yeah, I think she's making bank in China. Yeah, exactly. So, can you blame her? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that that's playing a part in her choice to to ski for China. Yeah. But can you blame her? You would probably do the same exact thing. Like, whatever. Well, why are you judging her? Yeah. Don't pretend that you're above all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a very emotional run. Yeah, I think it was it was all like on the last run as well. It's almost Aww. like she had planned it. Like, you know, she did so she did really well in the first run. Second run was good as well, but not as good as the first and not as good as other people. And then the third one she absolutely like smashed Aww. it. She got like the highest score. Yeah. And then whereas the other I was telling you like the the girl who came second had been doing really well in the first run and the mm. second run. And the third run she made a mistake. So that might have been to a detriment. Like if she'd done that one perfectly, would she have one goal like mm-hmm. I don't know maybe I'm not 100% sure yeah just like really emotional I think just because like the whole gravity of like the Olympics like it's every what four mm-hmm. years you train so hard to perform in this one event and you only get like one chance yeah. right like there isn't a second day to do it you have to qualify if it's if it's not your day the Olympics isn't going to be like I'll take that into account. <laughs> it's like train for another four years and come back. Yeah, it really is. So it's like it's very heartbreaking to see when um, athletes make a mistake mm. or like just don't do as well because you all know that they are obviously very, very talented and they're all very athletic and can do really well. So, but yeah, it's really heartbreaking to see when you see a little mistake that could like, yeah, cost them the medal or like the winning spot. You know, we can say like second is good too, but not gold. I mean, <laughs> That's the thing, we put so much emphasis on coming first and so it's like, well, of course she's upset yeah. that she didn't come first. Like, yeah. The thing I saw was some, one like Japan has a really popular male figure skater. I don't know his name, but apparently yeah. he did a, I don't know, routine, whatever you do it on. Yeah. And then his mm-hmm. uh, skate got caught on like a hole in the ice because when, when previous mm. skaters like do their jumps and stuff, they can leave little notches and his skate got caught in it and his jump or spin screwed up so he messed up because of that hole in the ice which is like so sad because like you said they trained mm-hmm. for four years and it's not like he could have helped that hole in the ice it's not his because of his skill it's because of this yeah. like just unfortunate series of events where he ended up jumping or whatever right at that spot and then messed up his routine yeah mm-hmm. exactly oh god i could never yeah. be olympian exactly yeah. that's actually the other event oh, really? <laughs> The men's short program, which is about mm. ice skating. Yeah, that's mm. the one I watched. So his name is Hanyu Yuzuru. Mm. He's very famous, popular. He's won many, many medals. I think he's won the last two Olympics or something oh God, like that. Like he's 
definitely proven that he's very talented already. So not winning gold, I think, doesn't hurt him mm. as much as maybe some other athletes because he is just already popular. Like, you know, he'll just win the next one, something yeah. like that. Not to like dismiss his talents or anything, but like sometimes it'd be like that, right? (laughs) So I was watching the men's shot program and I think the I didn't ever like pay attention to figure skating. However, after listening to Tonya Harding won the podcast and also watching I (laughs) Tonya, I didn't realize just like the athletic skill you required to do figure skating. Mm. Like it's pretty intense. Like not only do you have to do these movements in ice like fast pace you need like the absolute strength to do the turns to spin on one leg to pull yourself up and then also have the artistic capability of a dancer as well and to be able to do like the choreography so it's just like it's really hard like I couldn't even fathom being able to do any of that let alone Mm. both so (laughs) I have uttermost respect for the sport I think watching Itonia and like listening to her story and stuff I think it's pretty evident that it's a very conservative mm, sport totally. yeah I have heard some like criticisms of it like Han user is like typically underscored like this is what people have been saying that he's like very underscored usually because he doesn't really present as like very typical masculine oh. figure which is something that they look for in like the men's figure skating mm. so I think that's like some one of the criticisms of Nathan Chen who's like an American figure skater like he I don't know what his ethnicity is to be honest uh his parents were Chinese Mm. okay so he's like an Asian American and he never wears anything like flamboyant costuming he's just very much like I'm a straight (laughs) male like he very much presents himself as that and so I think there's just like a little bit of like well figure skating is such like a feminine sport I suppose in, con- in contrast to other things so it's kind of it's there's a lot of like criticism about that like because I think the part of it is that you get judged on your aesthetics as well as your performance so it's like the whole package so it's actually really hard to be good because some people just don't possess it right like if you don't yeah embody the typical figure skater or something I think like, that was you may not ever yeah win. Just so sad. I think that was similar with like Tonya Harding as well because she had immense strength and she wasn't maybe as elegant as the other female skaters or as mm. dainty, but because of her strength, she could do like the triple axles or whatever. But then she was frequently yeah. marked down because she didn't have that typical feminine gracefulness or not to the extent that maybe her peers mm. had. So yeah, I think it's a lot about just, I think gymnastics is the same as well, where you got to at a certain level have the look and just like the vibe. <laughs> Of a gymnast, not just being yeah. able to do the flips and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like you need all that strength, all that elegance of a dancer and everything, but then also just embody what they want to mm. see. And, you know, what they want to see is very much a straight, rigid framework, I mm. suppose. But yeah, so it was pretty amazing to see all that. Um, I think one of my favorite, and I already told you about this, but like one of my favorite routines was the, he was from France, Adam Shao so he did like a Star Wars routine, the most elegant Star Wars, Star Wars routine you'll ever see in your life. And he was wearing all black as well. And then he had like a, I want to say it's like a satin sash or a pleather sash or something, kind of in the style of like Jedi, oh. but like very, very subtle. So if you know, you know. <laughs> but then I think like the references to Star Wars are quite overt. So like you had like the Darth Vader, the breathing in the beginning oh, okay. to set the mood mm. and also the heavy 
yeah. the like march. And I think his last movement was him pulling out a lightsaber. Like he didn't physically pull out a lightsaber, but he did the movement of it and have the sound effects and everything. Mm. So it was a very strong performance. So I think it really suited the choreography that he did. So you had like start off with like lighter march and then it goes into like so heavy movements. So I think it's really fun to watch the choreography because they get into like the character of the song and the characterization of the program that they want to embody. Yeah. I think that's a, there's a lot of fun in that. They're like the movements and the... Yeah, the jumps as well when the music gets, like, louder and, like, faster. Really fun. So fun. Like, I definitely would recommend next time you watch the figure okay. skating. I think it's very, very impressive. Maybe, yeah, in the next four years I'll watch the Olympics. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to hear more from you about the Olympics. Ask the tea, <laughs> I want it all. <laughs> I don't know. Is the figure skating over yet? I feel like that's the only, that's the stuff that I've just genuinely been like, I'm into this. I could get into figure skating. Maybe you should uh you should start watching Yuri on Ice. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. yeah. I was told the same thing today. I was like, you have you watched Yuri on Ice? <laughs> I haven't even heard of it. Really? But I feel like Yeah. Huh. Feels like that would be maybe if there was like a sport anime manga that I could get into. Maybe it's that. Because you know how, like, we both try to read Haiki oh, or watch Haiki, sorry. We both just didn't vibe with it. No. Yeah. I don't understand the Haiku love. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, yeah, I just think, like, sports anime in general just haven't really grabbed mm. me the way it has other people. But I don't know why. But maybe ice skating is the one to change me. Maybe. Then I feel like I would love to learn more about it because I think it's really technical mm. so like you do your triple your triple axles but then you like talk about like your turnouts and stuff like that and i think some of the leg movements as well to be able to do that if you watch it like in slow-mo it's like very very impressive so like have their whole body weight basically on like the edge of their blade <laughs> on a slant like i can okay maybe this is why it would be a good anime because <laughs> like you could do all that <laughs> in like great detail because it is very, very impressive. Yeah. No, I think it sounds like you'd be into it. You should watch it. And it's like yeah, very know. popular. It won three awards at the Tokyo Anime Award Festival. Wow. What else wins awards at the Tokyo Anime I have Festival? No I'll <laughs> <laughs> go to wait, best television. Okay, let's see. Other things that have won are like Demon Slayer. Mmm. Zombieland Saga. Have you watched that? Is that the one where it's like zombies make a band? Oh my god, there's all these like pretty girls, but why are they zombies? Yeah, so a student becomes an idol and they're brought back as oh they're brought back as zombies to become an all zombie idol group. Interesting. Oh god, maybe I'm into this. <laughs> maybe we should watch this. <laughs> I feel like I've watched the first episode of this. Or I've seen it. Yeah, I wonder it looks funny. It's like a weird concept, like zombies and idols. Yeah. It might be worth um, getting into. Seems like something Jackie would watch. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that? Just a lot of anime girls. Okay. <laughs> the criteria is low. <laughs> yeah. Any, any more thoughts on the Olympics? Aside from this little anime depression? <laughs> I don't know. I wonder... I haven't actually looked at the schedule. I, I feel like I'm not very prepared for this one. Yeah. I think 
I'm not as familiar with the sports as well. So I know with like the regular Olympics, regular Olympics, summer Olympics, we're more familiar with like the events that are being mm-hmm. held. So I know like, oh, I want to watch the gymnastics or something. Like that's what I want to do. But for this, I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm not that familiar with any of them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I just saw it on TV and just like decided to watch it because it sounded interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what else I'll watch, to be honest. But I, yeah, I think figure skating is my new thing. I just felt, (laughs) I don't know if it's just like also just emotional because like the amount of like, yeah, strength, ability, choreography, everything all that in like four minutes, two to four minutes or whatever. And then the athletes themselves get emotional because they put their everything into these like minutes and they're like, you know, super exhausted afterwards. I think the whole thing is just also like quite emotional. So I wonder if it's just (laughs) maybe I've had enough. Are you okay? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know i just i think it's just a lot mm. right i think i just get very swept up by everything you know when people who don't perform well on the day i just get like feel so yeah. bad for them so like <laughs> your emotions are like up and down like the whole time and like at the same time i'm a total like noob when it comes to sports and stuff so i have no clue what's happening i don't know what's good or bad uh well you know you can tell when things are bad because the commentators will be like that was bad (laughs) and i'll be like oh i missed it (laughs) because i didn't know any better and then you feel bad because you're like oh but that's that other person did so well especially for the team events it's like someone slips you know that can cost you points At the same time, they're all doing amazing things. Like you're, you're doing great, sweetie. Is <laughs> what <laughs> you are just the Chris Jenner of the Olympics. <laughs> For every athlete, yeah. you're, doing, you're great. doing great. You're doing great. Just try your best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Try your best. Do what you came here to do. Pick yourself up <laughs> and keep going. <laughs> pick yourself up, yourself off, and try, try again. <laughs> but yeah, next Winter Olympics. Okay. Ice skating. Ice skating, okay. Or maybe just even watch like the recaps and yeah. stuff. Well, thank you for that recap. <laughs> Very much appreciated. Totally. No knowledge of anything, just pure passion. But it comes That's through. All I've got. But it, girl, I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I will use Yuri on Ice as my source of knowledge. Yeah. You know, instead of Googling things <laughs> and watching YouTube videos like a normal person, I'm just going to watch an anime. <laughs> we all learn things in our own way. Yeah, as long as the information is being mm. absorbed. Love, Love that. that. Um, um, and no, what are you going to say? Oh, no, you me? go. No, I was just going to say, what about Encanto? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the transitions are not here. Let's talk about Encanto now. <laughs> I think this we talked about last year. We're like, oh, so excited to watch Encanto. And I think we actually got it wrong initially. We said it was a Pixar film, but actually it's a Disney film Mm -hmm. and it was released in cinemas. But we didn't watch it in cinemas. We watched it on Disney Plus when it was released. Mm. So we watched it. And Mm. I think I would say it met our expectations. I think it even potentially surpassed it in some ways. Yeah, you say surpass. (laughs) (laughs) In some ways met and in some ways surpassed. Mm. So... I guess we were both excited for the movie. I think purely because Disney movie, like, why wouldn't we? The intrigue of the storyline as well, like, felt different. Um, and then in addition, the music. So Lin-Manuel Miranda. Or is it Lin-Miranda? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Lin-Manuel Miranda. L-M-M. I always forget which, which way the MMs go. Yeah, so he was composing the music for this film. So... 
there were definitely expectations to be met. So in terms of like his delivery of the soundtrack, I think met my expectations. I think it's where the story and the emotive, I don't know, the emotive, what do you call it? The emotion and the story. Let's just keep it simple. The emotion and the story. (laughs) That surpassed my expectations because I didn't realize it would be like that. I think I didn't know. I think we were speculating on the the powers. Mm. I think we got that right though. Yeah. In a way. In a way, yes. In a way, no. I think we, you know, speculate, oh, she doesn't have a power, but her power is like kindness or caringness or a big heart which yeah technically turns out to be true yeah you know in a way yeah so like oh it's definitely going to be something intangible Mm. right like something not like strength like her sister louisa or like the ability to create flowers like his other sister is isabel yeah isabella so it wasn't anything like that it was just a heart Mm. of the house and the family which is pretty important to the yeah i think we sort of also maybe assume that it would go on a bigger adventure um, so she might have to go out and venture beyond her town uh, and outside of the house mm. to find something that would help bring the magic back or save the family but mm. when you actually watch it it's quite contained like you don't really go beyond the house a lot like and even when you do you're only within a tiny mm. small town but I think it does a really good job of building like the family relationships and telling a really good story within such small confines, like in a pretty narrow space. And I think, I don't know how like Disney does it, like Disney pay us, but I'm being honest here, where they just make it so emotional. And by the end, you're like, oh, like mm. it's a really cute story. But then a certain point hits and you're just like, I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> like, this is too much for me. Yeah. Like, it's just like the build up is so strong and just in subtle ways. that You don't notice yeah. it doing it to you. And then when it hits, it hits. Yeah. And the way, the way you can feel it coming as well, and you're like, oh, my God. Stop, stop. I think, yeah. I think we both had like that moment in the movie where we're like, oh, my God, the grandma. Yeah. The abuela. Abuela. The abuela again. Because I think, like, you, it's a different, um, a similar but different culture. Like, when we talk about mm. Coco, the abuela in that, like, plays a different role in that movie. But I think we're always like, oh, my God, it's always the grandma. It's always going to be the abuela who's going to hit us where we don't want it. <laughs> they know how to come real strategically, yeah. But I think as well, like, yeah. this story is a little different uh, where there's no real antagonist or evil villain. So the problems from the story come from people's normal flaws and uh, specifically the grandma she has she's someone who escaped basically like a like sort of like a refugee and rebuilt her house alone and raised her family on her own after her husband died and she kind of holds on to that so strongly that she's scared of losing her family but the way she projects that is by Mm -hmm. overemphasizing people's gifts and putting their values solely in their superpowers essentially and Mm -hmm. people who don't have gifts like Mirabelle so yeah that's like her flaw and it's a personal flaw and that's what creates the Mm. fractures in the story so there's no real villain it's a Mm. it's a a more human story in a way because you can't just be like oh that's like the evil witch or something Mm. which are are probably more common in more traditional older Disney tales yeah I think like she does kind of become the villain in that first half of the movie because you're like where you know she's so mean to Mirabelle I think as well like unnecessarily mean you know like in subtle ways as well which make it even Mm. meaner like their passive aggressive comments (laughs) you know like things like that where you're like oh my god Mirabelle I feel like so bad for her because she's driving her 
trying hardest to like help out and do something because she she feels like because of the abuela like you know putting all this pressure on, on her and the family to emphasize those gifts as you said I think she gets she feels insecure about her inability to have like a gift as yeah. well and I think that always is an her mind that she's never going to be as good as everyone else so she has to like compensate with like other mm. things like just try extra hard because it takes her effort to do things yeah as opposed to other ones other people like have these gifts and things come to them very very easily so yeah it's it's pretty um interesting that like i think you were saying that you didn't really move beyond like the mm. house or the village or anything and it's because everything is about like the family structure and you know the whole, whole plot revolves around all everyone everyone's relationship with within the family but also specifically the relationship with the grandma mm. who is like the call her like the matriarch yeah. is that the right word yeah. like she's the head of the family so she calls, controls everything even if you disagree you kind of just go okay. you kind of have to go <laughs> with it i think yeah, I think so. Mirabelle's ma- mother, who is uh, the Abuela's daughter, she's always like, you know, you should be kinder to Mirabelle. You know, she can only like encourage it, but she can't enforce that. And also doesn't feel like she can argue with her. And that's, that's how Mirabelle feels as well. Like she can't really defend herself, mm. I think. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the, yeah, the villainy of this movie is, comes from like unhealthy family mm-hmm. dynamics and just, yeah, mm-hmm. that the unnecessary pressure that Abuela puts on Mirabelle and the rest of the family and how that affects the mm. relationship. So, But it's good to, yeah, it's fun to see a more human story and maybe kids get to learn that bad things can happen because mm-hmm. of the way we treat each other, but that's like what we have to change and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I did laugh when you see Isabel, who is Isabella, who is Mirabelle's pretty flower-creating sister. And the moment we saw her, we were just mm. like, I would fucking hate her. <laughs> um yes obviously (laughs) is perfect princess yeah basically princess character she you know she makes flowers out of her fingertips like i hate it (laughs) (laughs) and everyone's like you're so pretty oh you're so pretty (laughs) but as we see that also creates problems for her and she she feels stuck Mm -hmm. and trapped in all the expectations the family puts on her yeah I think part of the fun of the movie is also finding the cracks in the family. So we get that through song, oh. typically. So <laughs> I think the first song that we see it through is it's Surface Pressure. Oh, yeah. So that's Louise's song where she's just kind of like having an identity crisis of like, I'm strong, but I'm not Sometimes strong. Sometimes I want to cry. Mentally. Sometimes I don't want to pick things up and they all just want me to pick things up and be strong and that that's just like who I yeah. am. But sometimes I just feel like there's a lot of pressure that we get that, that surface pressure and she does that whole thing. I think that gave us a lot of delight. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, we saw, we watched this together with friend of the pod, Ryan, just Ryan. And all our <laughs> eyes lit up as this song started and the sequence started. Like, we just fell in love with it, I think. Yeah, I think that was the moment. I think I already knew that we were in for a good ride um, with even the introductory mm-hmm. song where she goes through everything. And anyway, but it's this song, I think, in particular that was like, all right, like, <laughs> let's get it. <laughs> and I would say it's been weeks since we watched it, but the songs have still stayed in my head. I've been listening to them 
uh, at home as I'm working from home, just like, you know, singing along, you know, talking about Bruno, like just jamming along to it. <laughs> Love that. I would say my only maybe criticism of the movie, and it's not really like a critique mm-hmm. because I think it's what we wanted, is that the songs are very typically Lin-Manuel they Miranda. They are so Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, like if you had to put put it as a genre, it's, it's <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> like his just his style of song is just so distinct. So I think if you know Hamilton or you're familiar with any of his other mm. music, it's basically that he was to take the middle of some of the most successful songs from his other works and he put them into a Disney and like Disney them. Like this is the product mm. basically. It's something that I think a lot of people might not enjoy, but I. Th- think because we're fans of it we enjoy it but he had all his like typical quirks you know the fast speaking the change songs um the consistent melodies for characters like, like things that are carried throughout the movie that we've seen in Hamilton because we're all very familiar with that soundtrack as well like it was just all this little quirks where you're like I think it was exciting to see them because you're like yeah that's what we wanted that's mm. what, what I exactly what I wanted it's yeah, especially the song we don't talk about Bruno. You just listen to it like that's a that's from mm-hmm. Manuel Miranda. He has yeah. his signature all over it. <laughs> but then the other song, there's another song called Dos Oruguitas, which I think is like two caterpillars, and that mm-hmm. that plays while you see the abuela's backstory where she's fleeing with her husband and trying to find a safe haven, and then sadly her husband dies. And that bit in the movie as well, I was just like choking up like. Something about the song did it. Like, it wasn't just the scenes, but the scenes plus the song. Yeah. And I was like, I like feel like crying. This is too much for me. I'm like so emotional. The song's like very yeah. sad and very emotive. But at the same time, it wasn't even sung in English. Yeah, I was just reading the subtitles. Like, I'm so emotional. Just vibing with the song. Yeah. And it's just the grandma. Oh, abuela. <laughs> like the... <laughs> The abuela. Um, and then, yeah, like this is the part where we like understand where she's coming from. Mm. And this is her, basically her redemptive arc, I suppose. Oh, part of her redemptive arc that we understand like why she is the way she is and why she has put the pressure on the family the way she has because she's just so like afraid of losing her home mm. and her family again. Which song is your favorite? I have to say the one that I keep going back to is... I think it's called What Else Can I Do? And that's actually sung by Isabella mm. as she's like discovering that she doesn't have to be the perfect pink purple princess. She can grow things that are imperfect and, you know, not symmetrical and that's still okay. I keep seeing that. A hurricane yeah. of Hakaranda. <laughs> yeah. I think my initial reaction when I, like after the movie was that surface pressure was my favorite. Mm. And I think it's because of what we mentioned that it was like the turning point in our minds from like good to great. Mm. But I think like upon reflection, it's the same as you. So it would be like, what else can I do? I think at this point we're fully in the, like we've got to redeem this family. <laughs> Everyone's unhappy. Like I think that in addition to it's like a more, I don't know, pop pop song, I think as well. Like it's more like. It gives more show tune vibes as well. Like it's very, you can sing along to mm. it very easily. I think compared to surface pressure. Yeah. yeah. And it just has like a very yeah. earwormy yeah. melody. Yeah. And then um, in addition to the lyrics, I think kind of encompass like really everybody mm-hmm. is expected to be very perfect and sometimes they're not and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Still beautiful. <laughs> and the character design, the animation, also cute. 
especially um, Antonio. Oh, he's like a, the cutest boy. <laughs> the cutest boy. Oh my god, boy. we were like dying. We we're like, why is this cartoon boy so cute? His eyes <laughs> were like, like killing me. The biggest <laughs> eyes in the world. Like the eyes the size of his whole body, which isn't very big. Yeah. He was just like basically eyes on legs. Like he was so cute. And he's just staring up at you and he's like he's like a little boy who loves animals. I was like, oh my yeah. god. Yeah. It was so cute. And that's that was his power that he could mm. speak to animals. Like he had the best room. Oh my god. Yeah. I reckon. Actually, yeah, I swear it was a bit weird how everyone got these magic amazing magical rooms, which fair because mm. the whole premise is you open a door at a certain coming of age ceremony and it creates like a special space for you related to your power. And I was like, surely his family mm. could have just like built Mirabella a nicer room instead of having her in the nursery for the rest of her life. Yeah. Surely. How, like, it's honestly, like, you you get a little bit angry about how much they yeah. mistreat Mirabelle. Like, she has to stay in the nursery. Like, she is, like, a teen yeah. girl. And she has to stay with this, like, five-year-old <laughs> just because she doesn't have any powers, which, by the way, she has no control over. Yeah. Like, you think that as a little girl, she was like, I don't want anyone. Like, she definitely wanted 100%. it. Like, she... There was all this expectation on her as a little child to deliver. And then when she doesn't, there's like nothing she can do. Like they just kind of shun yeah, her. Yeah, and they force her to like share a room with a little baby. And now this baby has a power. He gets his own huge room with basically the whole jungle in yeah. it. And she still has to stay in the yeah. nursery. You could build her another house. Honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the end, they build a new house. So hopefully they made her a nice room. Well, she got her door eventually. Mm-hmm but it was on the front of yeah. the house. So the whole house is her room. Good. As she should. As she deserves. <laughs> <laughs> she deserves yeah. it, right? Yeah. But yeah, Encanto. It's still, yeah, it's such a lovely yeah. story. It's sort of simple in a way. Like we said, it doesn't go off on big adventures. It's very contained within the family, but like the songs are good. The animation's beautiful and it stays with you. Yeah, through song. Hurricane of Hakaranda. <laughs> hanging vine. Yeah, that was... It was good. It was very fun. Yeah. It's definitely something that it would have been nice to see in cinemas as well if there wasn't the pandemic. A little thing called the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Pandemic. When will it end? When will it end? Actually, on a side note, have you watched the trailer for Lightyear? Uh, the one that was released like last year? So there's a, or a new, new one? one now. And it's a bit more detailed. <gasps> featuring the melodic voice of Chris Evans. Love it already. Okay, give me the five seconds. Yeah. All right, I'm done. Oh God, this is your first live reaction video to the trailer <laughs> for Lightyear. This is how it starts. <laughs> the reaction. Go. My reaction is Disney Pixar have done it again. <laughs> Specifically the Toy Story universe. Mm-hmm. I think we'd already... My impression of the first trailer was already very, very mm. good, right? I already was already like, that's genius. What a great concept. It expands the Toy Story universe without having to rehash the same old thing over and over mm. again. Because we all know that Buzz Lightyear, the, the toy, is based on like a space mm. character. Or yeah. whatever. However, again, the Toy Story universe not only told us that we needed Toy Story 4, which we didn't need, but, you know, it was still good, yeah. I would say. Like it was very enjoyable. Mm. No one wanted this, right? No one asked for this. No one was like begging on their knees. I need to see more. <laughs> <laughs> However, 
I am so excited for this right now. It's like the classic Disney formula where you've got comedy, you've got action, we've got great animations. We get to see like space um, and also like a bit of fantasy. So we guess we see, is it Zorg? Who's like the evil character. I think in the Toy Story universe, he's kind of seen as like a kind of a parody of Darth Vader. And then we get the like the cute little cat. Oh God, that's the cat. Yeah, the little partnership. is like yeah. Disney, they always put in a cute little animal, a cute little sidekick, and I then yeah. they're going to make bank with the toys. And I know I'm going to fall for it. Like I watched it, I was like, I'm that cat is coming into my life in some shape or form. I already, <laughs> I'm my wallet is open. <laughs> they do this with every like big yeah. film, like they add in like a cute little, they did it with Star Wars with the BB 8, mm-hmm. they do it on like the princess movies and things like that. There's always a little side character that's really really cute in animal form Mm -hmm. and you know what it works that's why they put it in it absolutely works you get more comedy and you also get cuteness so like you get not only the adult audience but you also get like the kids audience who might just be like cat cute it's very simple but but it works i'm literally sitting next to two porgs right now like they just know (laughs) it works they know what you want (laughs) and also the choice of song i mean it's cliche, but it works. But it works. <laughs> That's why it works. It works. It works. Yeah. And it's a great song as well. I'm really excited to see it. I think we're going to see some really great action sequences as mm. well. The mix of it with like fantasy, I think is like smart, but also like mm. fun as well. Like we're not just going to get like a straight like astronaut goes to space and whatever. Like it's, I don't know, it's, it's very fitting in, in the universe that they've already built. So we're already familiar with like the relationship between Buzz and Zorg. So to see that in like a, in a real sort of way, even though it's animated as well, but like a more realistic relationship, mm. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's kind of didn't know what to expect from the earlier trailers, but it looks very action heavy, mm. more so than I, I had expected and sort of like a some sort of conflict with maybe alien creatures or, you know, just space creatures. So definitely keen. It looks mm-hmm. interesting. I can't wait for it. Yeah, I think so. I think it's like, yeah, pretty clever as well because I think we've all, well, our gen, I want to say, grew up watching the Toy mm. Story like franchise, so from one to four. This is like the Toy Story to a new audience, but in a way that isn't alienating to people like us who have watched it. Um, but also isn't alienating people who haven't watched the original mm. franchise as well. So, like, you could watch this with, like, fresh eyes and be like, oh, it's an astronaut going to space and, like, fighting aliens and mm. stuff. Whereas we know, like, oh, it's Buzz from Toy Story. Mm. So, smart move. Oh, but if they pull it off, it'll be really, mm. really good. Let's hope they do. And I feel like they will. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see in June. <laughs> I feel like they will. June. June. Gotta wait until then. <sighs> It feels so far away. Well, you know what's coming really soon is Turning Red. So it'll be in Disney Plus oh. March 11th. So like a month. Oh, that's still a month I'm away. Sorry, but it's soon. <laughs> you know what? It's going to come really quickly. Mm. And we're going to be like, March already. Oh my God, I can't believe it. How time <laughs> flies. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to transition to this, but I guess on a final note, I want to tell you to watch The Tinder Swindler. Yes, I've been hearing so much about Tinder Swindler, not only from you, but other people have also asked. Yeah. It's weird because I think the Tinder Swindler only came out end of last week. Like, it hasn't been around that yeah. long. But so 
and many people have already watched it. And I wonder what has grabbed the attention of everybody. Is it because it's like based on a true story? Yeah. I mean, it is a true story. Sorry. <laughs> Not based <laughs> on a true story. It's real life. Is it that, do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. And I feel like, so apparently it was already known to the media on a certain level. I didn't know about it. So it's potentially something that people knew about. And now it's like a a documentary was made about it. So they came to see it. But it's basically about this guy who went on Tinder and swindled like heaps of women out of huge amounts of money. So you get to hear Mm. from like two to three women who he directly scammed. And he's basically, his MO was like to be on Tinder. And then when he matched with someone, he would talk to them, uh, strike up a relationship and really, you know, be super nice to them and draw them in. And then like basically show off how wealthy he was. So he would take them to a date to a really nice hotel, take them on a private jet and then just establish that he is like this diamond mining company heir. So he has loads of money. But then he would say stuff like, I have enemies, like they're out to get me blah 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 blah, and establish that sort of like level of danger as well so later on once he's gained the trust of these women he can say something like oh my enemies attacked me i need to go into hiding i can't use my credit cards like i need money just like to hide and then these women would send him money and he would swindle them so that's basically Mm -hmm. what he did repeatedly to like like i think i feel like at least like six or eight women so it's basically the story of how he managed to do that and I think, yeah, I think it's just sort of interesting. And on one level, people might watch it being like, oh, how could these women fall for this? Like, I would I would never, like, I think there's a temptation to watch and be like, oh, they're so silly. Mm. Which I think, like, you, yeah, it's really easy to think like that. And you'd want to think that you wouldn't fall for a trick like this. But then I guess, like, I don't know, I was just thinking, yeah, maybe you wouldn't. But also, you, I think everyone probably has in their life, like, a group of maybe five, a handful of people, maybe like five people who if they were like, I really need money now, you would send it to them because Mm -hmm. you love them and you trust them. I think Mm. for these women, like he just managed to get to them and build up that trust. So it was someone they truly loved. Like they were thinking about settling down and having kids and living together. So I guess, yeah, if it's like your fiance or something who really needed money, you would be like, yeah, okay, like I'll send it to you. Like you wouldn't question it, right? Yeah, that's true. And I'm sure he also, like, picks his victims as well. Um, People who, like, tend to trust Mm -hmm. easier than others. I wonder how he knows that they have money. Or is it just he, like, picks the amount based on what they can afford? No, I think he, yeah, he's, like, a master scammer. So he does things where he sets up families and makes, like, fake pay slips and all that that they can submit to the banks to show that this is how much they make and then they can get bigger and bigger loans mm-hmm. and apply for new credit cards over and over again and just like build up their debt. So he can go around and party and fly on private jets and stay in hotels and go on boats. Yeah. Wow. Is it a spoiler if he's, if you mention if he's in jail or not? Um. Well, I think it's all over the internet, but I think, do you want me to say it? Okay, so he's not in jail. Oh, gosh. Okay, tell me no more. I will watch it in. But I would say it's, like, you know, sad, interesting for the first, like, three quarters of it. But then at the end, Mm. you meet one of his last victims. And she's the Mm. one who goes scorched earth on him. Like, she's the one who goes, I will meet crazy. I will take your crazy and meet it with my crazy and just enact revenge Mm. on you. And that's where it just becomes really Mm. interesting and funny because she's just like, I will not take no for an answer. I will take you down. Mm. I will get what's mine <laughs> before anything happens. Wow. So 
it just like it's so basic and then it just like ramps up at towards the end so i definitely recommend you watch because she she makes it funny at the end okay all right i it's on the list as with everything else it's on the list but honestly like it only came out like not long ago (laughs) everyone already watched it no one has a life (laughs) wait for me (laughs) because i was watching it and what like for the first girl you meet she matched with him on tinder and like the first day they ever met so the first date they ever had in real life was at Mm -hmm. like a hotel bar or something and on that same day he's like hey i'm going to like budapest or something like another country on my private jet do you want to come with me and she like flies with him to another country on his private jet like the first ever date Mm -hmm. they have together so i think that's why some people like why would you ever do that like that seems questionable but maybe you personally wouldn't do that and maybe that's like not the safest thing to do but i guess it in the end Mm -hmm. ultimately doesn't justify him scamming her (laughs) yeah oh of course but you could i think that's why people kind of watch it be like i would never do that (laughs) Yeah, but some yeah, people but would. Some people would. Yeah. Some people would. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it makes like all the lies seem more plausible if he's able to do something like that on the first day. Yeah, that's why they trust. They're like, oh, like at the drop of a hat, he can just like call a private jet and like fly me somewhere, put me up in this like amazing hotel. Like, yeah, he must have so. Maybe they need to do better to protect people from these scammers yeah. on their app, like their duty of yeah. But then again, it's how do they know that people are being scammed yeah. unless it's like ported or like he's in jail yeah. or something, you know? That's true. But yeah, definitely. Interesting. Imagine, imagine just Ryan was like, Alice, I need I need five thousand dollars now. Be like, what for? He's just like, I need it. I'm on the run from my enemies. We're like oh, five <laughs> for free. <laughs> just tell me which car park to meet them at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why do you need five thousand dollars for that? He's just like, I need to leave the country. No, but I can drive you there. I don't know. <laughs> Anything to get out of giving him 5K. <laughs> I'll put in so much effort but not a dollar. <laughs> You'll physically hand-to-hand combat someone but not put in a dollar. All right. Like, I'm sure it wouldn't cost $5,000 to get someone to throw hands for me. <laughs> I get someone much cheaper. <laughs> this is budget. budget. Put an ad on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or like what's what where you call people services? Mm. Like Finder mm. or something. I don't know the I forget the name, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need someone to defend my honor. Put in your offer. <laughs> um yeah, so that's a Tinder swindler. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Anything else? The only thing I've been watching is All of Us Are Dead. Mm. That's the thing I've been trying to get through before. Good. Uh I think for me personally, um, suffers what I fear in a lot of like Korean dramas or just like dramas in general is that it's too long. Mm. Yeah, that's that's my only thing. I feel like it is a bit longer than I would like. I would have it's like twelve episodes or something, and I think I would have liked it to sit at eight. At right. Max. Okay. Yeah, because I'm think I'm at like episode seven at the moment. Mm. In a nutshell, not bad. Like I think, especially in the first few episodes, very evident that it's taken a much more like horror approach, which I really appreciated. So, like, this is, like, genuinely scary. And I think the characters, because they are, like, high school mm-hmm. kids, they feel a bit more like genuine high school kids. Like, sometimes when zombies were coming, they weren't doing anything. And it's like, yeah, that's probably what I would mm. do. If I saw something lunge at me, I'd just be, like, in full shock mode and just, like, not just do anything. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, like, no one's, like, abnormally brave. 
until later when I think they start to realize that they're in this like dire situation there's not much to do then they'll get a bit more like confident maybe Mm. later I think also there's a more emphasis on like the emotion yeah the emotional state that's involved with having people who are your friends turn Mm. into zombies as well I think with a lot of zombie movies it's very much about the interaction between the survivors and how they survive Mm. I guess um, keep surviving. Isn't it a lot about like, you know, keeping your humanity and who are the real monsters? <laughs> yeah, like about community and establish establishing like leadership and uh, what would you say? Like them figuring out like a plan together in order to survive and move through the school and get out and all that sort of stuff. Like, that kind of thing. It's about like that interaction, mm-hmm. like because it can get political. You're going to have like opposing views of like we should do this, we should do this. Yeah. But I think some of what we see, which we don't get to see, we have seen. I, I'm not saying it's never been done before, but like I think zombie films that I've seen recently, mm-hmm. they don't have that emotional aspect of like someone you know turning into like a zombie and then how that impacts you. So yeah, it could be like. So I think there's more like lingering moments on mm-hmm. that, like oh my friend is a zombie and like. Like they have like flashbacks of like their friendship oh. and things like that or like you know like their mother turned into a zombie and you're oh. just like fully emotional about that because like that's your you know that's yeah. your mom yeah so I think like the fact that it is like a drama we can linger on those moments a little bit more but yeah, mm. yeah we'll see okay now it's based on a web too mm. yeah oh, okay yeah maybe we'll wrap it up there I think next week we're planning to do tall girl the tall girl saga the tall girl one and tall girl two <laughs> two average height girls talk about tall girl oh gosh i don't even know if i'm average high i would say i'm pretty below <laughs> depends which country i'm in but in australia i would say i'm below <laughs> below to average girls talk about tall girl. <laughs> yes yeah, so tall girl two is coming out which is a sequel that we didn't think was going to happen because I think you watched Tall Girl. Yeah, you talked about Tall Girl. Well, you told me about Tall Girl 1 when it came out and you said like it wasn't Mm. very good. So I didn't even bother. And now we're going to watch, well, I'm going to watch both of them. You're going to watch the sequel and I guess we can see what we think. I think I have to watch the first one again. I don't really remember. I'm going to have to reconsider Mm -hmm. your thoughts about it. But I saw the trailer pop up on my Netflix um, homepage. Mm. I don't think I'm going to like it. (laughs) Just gut thought. She's just so tall. Yeah, I think it's because the dialogue is so basic and very obviously trying to portray like an mm. image. Oh, like a message, sorry. Not an image. Mm. Or maybe an image too. But it's very much like they're enforcing, you know, rather than like getting you to figure it out, they're like handing <laughs> you the, the morals. It's okay to be tall. <laughs> Did you want to date a short guy? <laughs> a short king. <laughs> Yeah, but I think conceptually it's mm. interesting. I just like think the delivery of it. I think I won't mm. like. We'll we'll find we'll find out. We shall yes. see. I could be like that is the best movie. I doubt it, but it could be. Could be. Never <laughs> say never. Yeah, don't knock mm. it till you try it. Right. Also, I included the bit mm. about Genki in our last episode. Oh, really? <laughs> so I feel like <laughs> you know what? Let's just let's dream big. Let's manifest Genki sponsoring. <laughs> Should we hashtag Genki? Genki, tag Genki. Get Genki all up on us because I think now that I've tried it, we both love the drink. Mm-hmm. 
So it's genuine. <laughs> not even lying. We're not even lying. This is a cry. For, genuinely, yeah. We would only ever endorse products that we oh, genuinely God. love. <laughs> genuinely, even the apple flavor, I love it. We bought this with our own money. So Genki, please sponsor us. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how, but you're a new product. So any any publicity is good yeah. publicity. We're your target demographic. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, I'm not sure if they're new, but we're definitely the target <laughs> demographic. <laughs> so yes, please sponsor us, Genki. Specifically, give us free Genki. I would take free oh Genki. My God, yeah, like literally like just, uh, not even money, just give us free Genki and we'll talk about it on the pod. Hmm. Yeah, which will like cost you like yeah. nothing. Oh, my throat's a bit dry. Let me just take a sip of this cool, refreshing Genki. It's <laughs> lovely, fresh grape flavor. Wow. Zero calories, Alice? Can you believe that? <laughs> Zero calories, zero percent sugar, all the good wow. stuff. Nothing bad here. Yum, yum, yum. Mm. Anyway, that's the sort of delivery you can expect if you sponsor us. <laughs> I'll do it more convincing. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks for listening, I guess. Yes. And talk to you next week about talking. <laughs> One and two. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.